Well, if you have your Bibles, open God's Word to Hebrews chapter 11. We're in this series called Heroes of Faith, and if you don't have an outline, I encourage you to, to be sure to get one. Uh, there's some places you're going to want to write some things down, perhaps. And last week, as we were kind of launching into this study in earnest, we looked at uh, Abel, the first person mentioned in Hebrews 11 as an example of faith. This is the first person in the Bible to demonstrate faith. So the first person in Hebrews 11 who's in this hall of fame of faith uh, was the first person in the Bible to demonstrate faith. And Abel was commended by God because he worshiped by faith. And we talked about that last week, so I'm not going to rehearse that for you. But just understand, Abel was commended by God because he worshiped by faith. The second hero of faith is Enoch. He's commended because he walked by faith, if you want to put that on your, on your outline. It's interesting, he's only mentioned five times in Scripture. Enoch is only mentioned five times, and two or three of those places are just very short references. So, the, so we have a, a, just a very little bit of information about him. We have information in Hebrews 11, uh, 5. We have information in Genesis 5, and we have a little information in Jude 14. And then there's just a couple of other small references in a couple of places. So we don't have a lot of information about him, but in Hebrews 11, 5, Though he's not mentioned often in the Bible, God noted his life. Though he's not one of those people in the Bible that you say, boy, he's like Abraham, he's like Moses. No, he's not on that level as far as biblical material. And yet God was impressed with his life. Can I just say to you, you don't have to be famous for God to take note of you. You don't have to be one of those people that everybody knows and everybody follows and everybody... You don't have to be, from the world standard, somebody for God to think you're somebody. So let's read the text and see what we can learn about this, this person that God commended, that God complimented. Hebrews chapter 11, let's just read verse 5. <clears throat> By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. I love that phrase. Before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Wouldn't it be nice if you could be known as someone who pleased God? Isn't that kind of your heart's desire? To be somebody who pleases God? Enoch was a man of tremendous faith who walked in fellowship with God in a very wicked world. We'll see that in just a moment. But you need to know the times in which he lived. He lived before the flood at a time when the world was rampant with evil. He lived at a time when, in spite of all that was going around him, everything was, was evil and perverted and wrong, and yet in spite of all of that, he somehow lived a life of purity. He somehow lived a life of faith. Enoch exemplifies walking by faith. Now, Abel, that we talked about last week, understood the concept of, of worshiping God by faith, but Enoch knew what it meant to walk in fellowship with God. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Now, here, here's a question for you, to, for you to consider. Adam and Eve walked in fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden. But Enoch, I put this on your notes, I think, in the, in the intro, but Enoch showed that fellowship with God outside of the garden could be restored. So Adam and Eve, they walked with God. They're in the garden before the fall, before sin entered the world. They walked with God. 
But Enoch shows that it's possible outside the garden to have that kind of fellowship with God as well. So let's look again at Hebrews chapter 11. It says, uh, and I'm going to ask for your participation, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. Now, what does that mean? In your words, just try to help me here. What does it mean that Enoch was taken from this life? He was raptured. Some would say that. You're right. Anybody else? What does it mean that he was taken from this life? I think Dave is right, but but how else would you describe it? How else could you explain it? Say, well, he disappeared. Absolutely, he disappeared. But you're missing the most obvious thing. He didn't die. He didn't die. Enoch, watch this. Enoch went directly to heaven without dying. That's, a, that's kind of an amazing thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the old story, some preacher said it a long time ago, and you've probably heard this. The old story said that, that Enoch and God were out walking one day, and they walked so far, God said, we're closer to my house than we are to yours. Why don't you come on home? <laughs> Maybe that was the way it went. I don't know. Um. But, but notice this, this interest. I think this is fascinating, this little phrase, but it makes sense. If you take this word to be true, be literal, by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Okay, we get that. I notice this next phrase. He could not be found because God had taken him away. He could not be found. You know what that says to me? That people looking for him. You know, you said he disappeared, and he did. Don't you know Don't you know that his family had to be looking for him? Don't don't you understand that that his wife had to be saying, it's about time for him to be home. And then when he didn't come home that night, it's like, I wonder where he is. And so maybe the next day they they go out and they get some people together and say, we we don't know where Enoch is. We, We need to go find him. And it says that he could not be found, which to me says people were out trying to find him but they couldn't because why why couldn't they find him because it says God had taken him away now the question I want you to find the answer to is in verse 5 is this why did God take him away it's right there at the end of the verse yeah For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Now, I told you that Enoch is not mentioned very often in the Bible. But the one place here that that he does appear in the New Testament, well, he appears in Jude as well, but in this place, it's very clear that he pleased God to such an extent that God removed him from this world without Enoch experiencing death. So, let's read his story. You, you understand, don't you, that in, in Hebrews 11, these are all Old Testament people. These are all Old Testament encounters, all right? These are all Old Testament stories. These are all Old Testament heroes. And so, let's go to the Old Testament and read his story. And it's found in Genesis chapter 5, beginning in verse 18. Genesis chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 18. 
reading Genesis 5 is somewhat like reading tombstones in a graveyard. Uh, there's some interesting facts that emerge as we kind of wander through the graveyard. Let's just read it, and then I'll make some comments about it. Beginning in verse uh, 18. <clears throat> When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years. Then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. And had other sons and daughters. And altogether Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. And after he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years. And, had, and he had other sons and daughters. And altogether Methuselah lived 969 years. And then he died. Now, we could keep going, but you get the idea, I think. There's some interesting facts that emerge as we look at this, this list of people who lived and died. As we kind of walk through the graveyard and look at the tombstones, one of the things that we learn as we do this is this idea of longevity, if you want to put that in your notes. One of the facts that we learn as we look at this text is longevity. And that is people lived a long time. In fact, you, you helped me teach the lesson tonight how long did Adam live, according to verse 5? How long did Adam live? 930 years. You know anybody that old? Uh, besides Dave Storé, do you know anybody that old? All right, so 930 years. So, so let me just I'll tell you what. Let's just walk through this. Um, starting with, with verse 5, it starts out, of course, mankind starts with Adam. Adam lived 930 years, and then Adam, if you read that, Adam had a, a, a son, let's see, Seth, and he lived how old? 912, and then after Seth had a son, and who was that? Who? All right, so I thought you said something else there for a moment. What verse is that? Enosh. Okay. I, I, I kept thinking that doesn't sound right. And how long did Enosh live? 905. All right. And then after Enosh, we had what? Talk to me. Spell it. All right, and he lived how long? How long? 910. And then after Kenan, we had... <laughs> I ain't saying that one. Maha... LL? All right. And how, how long did, did Ma live? 895. And then after him, Jared. How long did Jared live? 
962. And so I'm going to continue up here. I'm going to write Jared again. And thank God it's Jared, one of those easy names. All right, after Jared, what do we got? Uh, I'm sorry, how long, uh, how long did Enoch live? 365 years. Short time. He was a young guy, wasn't he? All right. All right, y'all, y'all track with me. After Enoch, who do we have? Methuselah. Is that right? All right, Methuselah, 969 years, if I remember. Oldest man in the Bible. And then after Methuselah, Lamech, how long did he live? Oh, that's a good number. After Lamech, we have who? Anybody ever heard of Noah? How long did Noah live? All right. 950? Okay, everybody look up here for a moment. Longevity is one of the things that we see when we begin to study this passage of Scripture. Adam lived 930 years. Seth, 912 years. Methuselah, 969 years. And we could take a while and talk about that, but we won't have time to do it. But apparently... Earth's environment before the flood was conducive to longevity. This probably was deliberate on God's part, not probably, it was deliberate on God's part uh, because it enabled the families to fulfill what God said when He said, Be fruitful and multiply, be fruitful and fill the earth. And so they lived long lives so they could have large families and populate the world. And so it was not uncommon for somebody to live nine, eight, eight or nine hundred years. But that was before the flood. Lots of people believe that after the flood, something happened to Earth's environment. And, and we, you, could, you can study all that. It's an interesting study. But, but something perhaps happened in, in the heavens, in the Earth's environment. And, and now... As a part, perhaps, of God's judgment, he began to shorten the lifespan after Noah. So after Noah, if you start reading, after Noah, the lifespans become shorter and shorter and, and shorter. Now, here's what I want you to see. It's, it, to me, it's very interesting that not only do we see longevity in this study, but the second thing that we see as we read uh, in chapter 5, as we walk through the graveyard... The second thing that we, that we are introduced to is this, and put this on your notes. We're introduced in chapter 5 to the concept of death. And I mean by that, natural death is introduced in the Bible. Now, up until this point, up until this point, the only person that we've seen die in Scripture was who? Abel. And how did he die? He was murdered. So it was not what we would call a natural death. Somebody took his life. Now, guess who the second person to ever die was? The second person to ever die was Adam. 
Let's read the text, and, and I think you, you perhaps will we'll see something fascinating in this concept here. Uh, Genesis chapter 5, verse 3. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness. That, that's an interesting statement, in his own likeness. Adam was made in God's image. But now he has a son that is in his image. He had a son in his own likeness, in his own image. And he named him Seth. And after Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Adam lived 930 years and then he died. God had warned him that that would happen, didn't he? We don't have time to read the whole text, but in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, God had warned to him and Eve, the day you eat the fruit of the, of the forbidden fruit is the day you, uh, that death will enter the world. Shortest translation. The day that you, that you disobey me, the day that you eat this forbidden fruit, you will surely die, God said. Now, he didn't die physically that day, but death entered the world that day. You see, Satan lied to them, didn't he? Because in Genesis chapter... Look, Let's just read it real quick. Genesis 3, verse 4 and 5. Look what Satan said. Genesis 4 and 5. Satan said in Genesis 3, 4, You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan said, You're not going to die? God's just trying to pull the wool over your eyes. God's trying to deceive you. God doesn't want you to become like him. Another God. He's threatening you. He's trying to scare you. You're not going to die. Or Satan lied. Not only did Adam die, this seed of death was passed on from Adam and Eve to their descendants. Death is passed on from generation to generation. Look at it in verse, in verse 5. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years and then... And then he died. God kept his word. And then he died. But it wasn't just Adam who had to die. From generation to generation, this seed of death was passed on. Look at verse 6. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. And after he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Seth lived 912 years. I want you to read it with me. And then he died. So you jump in when I come to those verses. Verse 9. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. And after he had become the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Enosh lived 905 years, say it with me, and then he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel. And after he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters, and altogether Kenan lived 910 years, say it, and then he died. When Mahaliel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared, and after he became the father of Jared, Mahaliel lived 830 years, had other sons and daughters, and altogether Mahaliel had lived 895 years, say it with me, and then he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he had become the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch... Well, let's stop there for a moment. Death is passed on from generation 
to generation, to generation, to generation, to generation, to generation, with one exception. Now we read the, the text in verse 21. When Enoch lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Isn't that beautiful? Enoch walked with God, and he was spared death. Now, here's a question. I want you to talk to your neighbors real quick. I'm only going to give you about 45 seconds. You may not even need that much time, but I want you to talk to somebody and try to figure this out. Was Enoch's walk with God literal? like Adam and Eve's walk with God, or was it spiritual? Was it a literal, physical walk with God, or was it a spiritual walk with God? Talk to somebody, you got 30 seconds. And tell me why, whatever your answer is, tell me why you think that. All right, was Enoch's walk with God a literal, physical walk with God like Adam and Eve? Why do you say that? All right, so because sin had entered the world, uh, God couldn't walk with him literally, physically. All right, that's one answer. Give me another one. How do you know that... Or maybe somebody would say, no, I think it was literal. It was physical. Anybody think it was literal, physical walk with God? All right? If you don't, if you think it's a spiritual walk with God, tell me why you think that. You've got to have a reason. Sir? Yeah, Hebrews 11 says, as he describes his walk with God, Hebrews 11 says he walked by faith. So if it was a literal, physical walk with God, you would need faith. I told you last week, Adam and Eve didn't need faith in God. They saw him every day. They walked by sight, not by faith. We're just the opposite. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so because Enoch is commended for walking with God and he's commended for his faith, we know that this was not a literal physical walk with God, but it was a spiritual companionship with God based on his faith. Now, here's the the $100 question. All right, here's the $100 question. What caused him to do this? What was the turning point in his life that caused him to do it? Or maybe I should say it another way. Did Enoch always walk with God? If you look at the text, he spent the first 65 years of his life not doing that. Right? He walked for 65 years just merely living. Or he spent 65 years just merely living. But something happened when he, was, when he turned 65. And what was it? He had a son. When Enoch was 65 years old, his wife gave birth to a son, and the arrival of that little boy became a turning point in his life. We don't know exactly how or why, except I can tell you as a pastor that I've seen it over and over and over, and probably you have too. I've seen people in their college years walk away from the church. 
walk away from God until they have kids. And once they have kids, they suddenly come back to church. They suddenly come back to God. I've seen it over and over and over. I bet you have too. Maybe you've got somebody in your family like that. Maybe you were like that, that you kind of, in your college years, you kind of walked away from God. But once you had kids, once, once you were holding this precious little boy or girl in your arms, all of a sudden you had a totally different perspective and you suddenly had this desire, you suddenly had this need, you suddenly had this understanding that, boy, you need God. Because you've got a huge responsibility. Look at the text with me. It it, it just fascinates me what happened here. Verse 21, Enoch had lived 65 years. He became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, notice that it says, after. After he became the father of Methuselah. Not before. He started walking with God after he became a father. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. Isn't that amazing? Verse 23, although Enoch lived 365 years, Enoch walked with God and was no more. So perhaps it was the responsibility of raising a son in such a godless world. Because remember this. Everybody look up here. Remember this. From the time of Adam... The first created person in the world, the perfect Garden of Eden, from this time of perfection until we get to Noah. What happened in Noah's day? God destroyed the earth with the flood. And the reason he says he destroyed the earth with the flood was because of the perverseness and the evil and the idolatry, everything, everything that you can imagine. In fact, uh, let's find the reference real quick. It's in, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's see. Genesis 6, 5 and 6, I think is where it is. Genesis 6. Five and six, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. And so it says in verse seven, so the Lord said, I'll wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along on the ground, the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And we'll talk about Noah at another time. But just want you to understand the, the downward trend from Adam all the way to Noah. And I want you to see how close Enoch lived to the days of Noah. In fact, if you'll look at it, look at this. Enoch had a son, Methuselah. Methuselah had a son, Lamech, which would have been Enoch's grandson. Lamech had a son named Noah, which would have been Enoch's great-grandson. Let that sink in for a moment. So we're living in a time when humanity is getting darker and darker and darker. We're getting into time where in humanity where they're getting further and further and further away from God. We're, getting into, in, we're moving into a time here where this world is getting more and more evil and more and more corrupt. And as he held that little boy in his hands, there was something about that moment that made him say, I need God's help if I'm going to raise this little kid in this kind of a world. It's true today too, isn't it? It's true today too. Or there's another thing that may have triggered Enoch, and it was related to his son. 
Maybe it was the world in which he was living, or maybe the thing that triggered him once he became a daddy, maybe the thing that kind of pushed him to, towards God more was this. Maybe once he held that little boy and he recognized how much he loved that boy, maybe he suddenly realized his heavenly father loved him like that too. Maybe he began to understand the love of God in a way he had never understood it before once he experienced love for his own son. Maybe he began to think, my heavenly father probably loves me this much too. Whatever it was, something motivated Enoch to want to walk with God. And by faith, he walked with God for 300 years. But I want you to notice the first part of his life, he did not. The first part of his life, the first 65 years, he was merely living. And the last 300 years, he walked with God. Can I say to you, men and women, can I say something to you? There is a difference between merely living and walking with God. The sobering phrase, and he died, isn't used of Enoch. Because Enoch was one of two men in scriptures who never died. But he was a man who in the last 300 years of his life walked in fellowship with God by faith. He stopped merely living and he walked into fellowship with God. What are you doing? Honest engine. As you look at last week, are you merely living or are you walking with God? Do you have that fellowship with God? Now, by the way, I said he's one of two people to not experience death. Who was the second? Who was the other one? Elijah. If you want to read it later, it's 2 Kings chapter 2. If you want to write down that reference, Elijah, 2 Kings chapter 2. Now, to get to the point that Dave raised... Some suggest, and I think rightly so, some suggest that Enoch is actually a picture, an Old Testament picture of the rapture. That Enoch is an Old Testament picture of what is going to happen to the New Testament believer. And I think there's some validity to that. Uh, because Enoch's, Enoch's rapture, if you want to call that, happened before the flood. Before the flood came... God removed him. God took him home. And if you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture in the New Testament, we talked about that in Revelation, but if you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, that's essentially what's going to happen, isn't it? Before God judges the world like he did with Noah, before God judges the world, we believe, we hope, he's going to rapture us, right? Let me remind you what the scripture is. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Go there quickly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus all those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left till the coming of the Lord, that's us, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now watch this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ, that's your loved ones who, who have died, 
and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, verse 17, notice this. After that, we who are still alive, that's us, and are left, will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. This phrase, called up, is the Greek word from which we get our word rapture. And so the Bible says there's coming a day when suddenly people who are living will not experience death. They'll be called up, taken directly from earth to heaven without experiencing death. And some people believe that Enoch is an Old Testament type, an Old Testament picture of this rapture that's going to occur in the New Testament because he was taken up to heaven without dying and before judgment. Kind of makes sense to me. Now, before we move away from this, I just want to say to you, can you imagine how difficult it must have been to walk in fellowship with God in the days prior to the flood? In the days where the world was getting so bad that God said, I'm going to destroy it and start over. Have you ever had anybody say to you, I have, have you ever had anybody say to you, you just don't understand how hard it is to live for God where I work. You don't understand how hard it is to be a Christian where I live or where I work. I want to tell you something. It may be hard, but it's nothing compared to what Enoch experienced. In the days before the flood, he walked in fellowship with God. I like, I like what William Barclay said. William Barclay said, Enoch walked with God when other men were walking away from him. Boy, that, that's good. Enoch walked with God when other men were walking away from him. Imagine how difficult it must have been when the world was becoming more and more and more wicked. Um, trying to decide what to cut out. Um, I don't want to be like Chris and go long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who decided that he went with God? God decided. Oh, well, that's a good question. I, I don't know. Except for when Moses wrote this down in Genesis, Moses was the author of Genesis. God had communicated that to him in some way. God had revealed it to Moses. Said, oh, by the way, remember Enoch back there, you know, when he went missing? Let me tell you what happened to him. One day he was out walking, and I just told him to come on home. And I just kind of took him out. That's a good question. Now, why... You to take him take him home. I'm glad you asked that. Thank you. I thank you for asking that question. Go to Hebrews chapter eleven. Let's go one more time back to Hebrews chapter eleven. Hebrews chapter eleven. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. 
The only way I can answer that question is to say he so pleased God in his walk that God said, I want you home. I want to bring you home. And now, Donna, whether or not God was saying, you don't understand this right now, Enoch, but you're going to be an Old Testament picture of what I'm going to do in the New Testament, I don't know. But, but, it, but it does tell us here in this text that he so pleased God that God gave him the privilege of coming to heaven without experiencing the pain of death. Which brings us to verse 6 verse in Hebrews 11. Verse 6. Oh, oh by the way, let me... No, I don't have time for that. Um, verse 6 is the application. Verse 6 is the application. Because this is where it says, the writer of Hebrews tells us how Enoch's life story intersects with our life story. This is where, in verse 6, where he says, this is what it means for you and for me. Uh, It says in verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The writer of Hebrews says... This is not just for Enoch. But if you're going to be pleasing to God, you're going to have to be a man or a woman who walks by faith with God. Now, we're going to get into this next week. This is just kind of a teaser uh, for, for, next, for next week. But I want you to think about this. The, I'll give you one little taste of what we're going to be talking about. Look at this word in verse 6, and I'm sure I'll say it again next week. It says, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Impossible to please God. It's the Greek word adunatos, and it's the same word used in Hebrews 6.18. Look in Hebrews 6.18. And again, you'll probably hear this next week, but I'm just giving you a, a, a sample. Hebrews 6.18. You don't really need to know the context. I just want you to look for the word impossible in verse 18. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is, here's the word, impossible for God to lie. The word adunatos means there's absolutely no way it can happen. It is not within the realm of possibility for God to lie. There's just absolutely no way this is going to happen. It is not within the realm of, of possibility for God to lie. That same word is used in Hebrews 11.6 where God says, in Hebrews 11.6, for without faith it is impossible. It's not even within the realm of possibility for you to please God unless you walk by faith. Now, I don't know about you, that blows my mind. So next week, we're going to talk about what that means, what that looks like to walk by faith. Before we get there, let's just close by summarizing Enoch's walk with God. Two things. Listen to this. First of all, Enoch walked with God a long, long time. He was not one of these that got excited for a short while and then he was no more. He, he walked a faithful walk for 300 years. He didn't just turn to God in a moment of need and later turn away. He walked with God for 300 years. He spent time with the Lord, got, getting to know him better and better. And I'll close by saying this. Enoch walked with God till the end of his life. 
Enoch walked with God till the end of his life. And isn't that the kind of legacy you want to leave? Don't you want to be a man who walks with God to the end of your life? You want to be a woman who walks with God to the end of your life? I was privileged to be the son of James and Mildred Shorter. And one of the reasons I was privileged is because I saw them walk with God to the very end of their life. I want to follow in their steps. I'll never fill their shoes, but I can follow in their steps. I hope that this week, maybe you'll just get in Hebrews chapter 11 and you'll camp out at verse 6, for without faith it is impossible to please God. And then you come back next week and we'll dig into that verse and a few verses after about what that looks like for you and I to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the for just the fellowship of our brothers and sisters. Thank you for the instruction that is found in your word. Thank you for the example of Enoch, a man who merely lived for 65 years and then decided to walk with God for the rest of his life. I pray, Lord, that that would happen again. That if there's a man or a woman who is just merely living right now, I pray for them to have that turning point where they truly begin to walk with God in fellowship with you. And may they do it to the end of their life. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.